Welcome to another Love from the Hip. I'm spiritual hypnotherapist, master esthetician, and your host, Sakura Sutter. I created this show with the intention of empowering others to help and love themselves. Aside from weekly skin tips, you will hear me spotlight extraordinary souls from around the world who are making a difference by helping people in their own way. Together, we can all make a difference, and it starts with love, love from the hip. Channeling is a phenomenon in which people describe receiving messages from an entity or being of another dimension or reality. In November of 2012, the first ever neuroscientific evaluation of mediumistic trance states was conducted by researchers at Thomas Jefferson University and University of Sao Paulo in Brazil analyzing the cerebral blood flow of Brazilian mediums as they channeled and performed psychography, also known as automatic writing. There were 10 mediums in the study, five expert and five less experienced, varying in age from 15 to 47 years old, all in good mental health without any psychiatric drug use. All were right-handed and on average performing 18 channeled writings per month. These 10 were injected with a radioactive tracer to capture their brain activity during normal writing or a regular state of consciousness, and also during channeled writing or a trance-like state of consciousness. The subjects were then scanned using a SPECT or single photon emission computed tomography to highlight areas of the brain that were inactive as well as active. The results showed the following. In the experienced mediums during the channeled writing, there were lower levels of activity in the left hippocampus, right temporal gyrus, and the frontal lobe regions of the brain. Because the frontal lobe areas are associated with reasoning, generating language, and problem solving, this showed the mediums were experiencing reduced focus, lessened self-awareness, and fuzzy consciousness during the channeled writing, whereas with the less experienced mediums, the results were the opposite. This showed that the less experienced mediums were overly focused and perhaps trying too hard. The channeled writing samples that were analyzed from both groups of mediums, however, found that the complexity scores were much higher than that of the normal controlled writing. And in the case of the experienced mediums, the lower level of activity in the frontal and temporal lobes should have resulted in vague, nonsensical garble, but instead resulted in more complex writing. These findings left some comparing improvisational music performance, which allows for more creative activity, and alcohol drug consumption, which disinhibits parts of the brain with mediumistic effect due to lower level frontal lobe activity. Scientists, however, say there can be no comparison. This study found no conclusive reason for the lower level activity and instead left science asking for further investigation. Another study was conducted in the summer of 2015 by Tel Aviv University and University of Haifa on 20 Israeli women who channeled. The aim of this study was to explore the coherence between channeling and disassociation through an analysis of the medium's narratives of their channeling experiences. According to the APA, or American Psychiatric Association, Dissociation is formally defined as a disruption in the usually integrative functions of consciousness, memory, identity, or perception. Trauma is said to produce dissociative defense mechanisms, which often lead to dissociative patterns and disorders. And three types of dissociative disorders have been said to express the same phenomena as channeling. The common underlying factor of dissociative disorders is alternation of consciousness. All of the mediums describe channeling as an experience of an altered state of consciousness, which involves a shift of sense of identity, body perception, emotional numbness, as well as channeled amnesia. The experience can have both controlled and uncontrolled features, while most channelers were able to initiate and terminate the channeling. Their relationship with the beings they channeled was complex and also raised ambivalent feelings, while the channeling itself overall was expressed as a display of exciting imagery and creativity. Based on the information received, it was concluded that channeling can be a voluntary and functional utilization of dissociation and seen more as an ability to achieve an altered state of consciousness. Although the alternations of body perception and out-of-body states can be seen to an outsider as pathological dissociation, these are merely seen as steps to channel from an insider's perspective. More so, the medium's increased sensory ability can explain through the high absorption levels and the connection to the esoteric realm. 
Contrary to pathological dissociation in which one detaches or enters a trance-like state because of distress, a medium chooses to let go in order to achieve a positive and higher state of consciousness. Their dissociation is not an expression of division of personality as exhibited in psychiatric disorders, but rather an adaptive and inclusive division of consciousness. American anthropologist Erica Borgigian, through her research on possession trance in 1973, said, Our psychobiological heritage as human beings seems to include an inherent capacity to experience trance as a type of altered state of consciousness, essentially emphasizing that all of us humans have an innate access to channeling if we so choose to experience it. Today on Love from the Hip, I am delighted to have author Mike Anthony on my show. You may have seen Mike in the recent Netflix series, Surviving Death. Mike will share his book, Love Dad, How My Father Died, Then Told Me He Didn't, and what he has come to learn and experience about mediumship and life after death. So stick around for this exciting show. The passing of our loved ones always proves to be very challenging, but can be met with ease when working with someone who can hold space, compassion, and especially someone who works across the veil. Allow Sakura Sutter, multidimensional channeler and intuitive medium, to be your spiritual guide with the other side. No matter if you choose to communicate with your transitioned loved ones to help you with the grieving process, or connect with spiritual, galactic, and other light beings to explore and dive in more on your spiritual path, Sakura can assist you. Not only does Sakura channel insightful messages, but she also incorporates her metaphysical tools to help you move through blocks and unprocessed emotions and feelings, providing you with a closure, relief, and new mindset to move forward. So don't hesitate to take your first step towards healing so you can start living your life once again. Remote sessions available. Contact Sakura at sakurasutter.com. That's S-A-K-U-R-A-S-U-T-T-E-R. Taking care of your body's largest organ can be difficult, but not for Astera Skincare Mist. This topical skin spray supports your skin's own natural healing defenses. Astera Skincare Mist is a light misting spray, free of parabens, alcohol, toxins, and fragrance. This all-natural topical skin spray will take the woe out of your skincare worries without clogging your pores. Irritation, inflammation, redness, post-procedure sensitivities, no problem. With Astera Skincare Mist, you can continue about your day without the skin dismay. Acne, rosacea, psoriasis, sunburns, rashes, and fungus? Don't let these skin concerns inconvenience you. Instead, let Astera Skincare Mist allow you to be happy in the skin you're in. Available at Sakura Skin and Mind. Learn more at asteracare.com. That's E-S-T-H-E-R-A, care.com. The veil is a line between physical and non-physical realities, between spirit and matter. Listen in to Go Beyond the Veil, an exciting new show every second Wednesday of each month from 2 to 3 p.m. In this engaging and informational jam-packed radio hour, hosts Sakura Sutter and Rory Reich interview folks who make a living crossing the veil, assisting others on their journeys of healing and self-discovery. Drawing from their own experiences, Sakura and Rory have come to realize how challenging it can be to understand it all. So they will ask the hard questions to not only reveal more truths and clarity, but in an effort to make spiritual sense. They hope by offering you, the listener, a resource where science meets spirituality that you too can finally put your skepticism to rest once and for all. So join them as they go Beyond the Veil. Welcome back to Love from the Hip. I'm spiritual hypnotherapist, master esthetician, and your host, Sakura Sutter. And don't forget to follow me on Instagram and Facebook and subscribe and share my podcast, Love from the Hip. That's H-Y-P, anywhere you can find podcasts. Today, I have the pleasure of having author Mike Anthony on my show. You may have also seen Mike recently on the Netflix series, Surviving Death. Hey, Mike, thanks for joining us today. Hi, Sakura. Nice touch with the song Believe there. Very well done. <laughs> Thank you. I was hoping you're going to get into that later. <laughs> and where are you joining us from? I am in Connecticut. Milford, okay. Conne- or, sorry, Milford, Connecticut. And would you like to brag about your weather? Is it, is it better than ours today, today? Where are you located? We're in Seattle, so it's, it's raining today. Yeah, no, it's, today we, we do have beautiful skies today. Yeah. Wonderful, yeah. wonderful. <laughs> 
Well, let's get right into your book, Love Dad, How My Father Died, Then Told Me He Didn't. So tell us how long ago your father passed and, and what you were doing when you found out. Yeah, it was 10 years ago. It was 2011. Uh, and I found out while I was bartending for uh, a Broadway show. Uh, it, my life is is weird in that when I'm not uh, investigating evidence for uh, <laughs> the independence of consciousness from the human brain, I'm I'm bartending on, on Broadway and doing some acting. So mm. uh, yeah, I was working uh, at a show bartending. It was just before intermission. Uh, and my phone rang and it was my sister uh, wailing just absolutely wailing and sobbing and my mom was screaming and I was able to make out the words he's gone he's gone he's gone uh and that was how I found out that my my dad had passed Mm. and so take us down the journey so what happened next after that um, I mean, it was a crushing, it was, it was a shattering event, you know, um, obviously, uh, losing someone and grieving, it's a different, it's an individual experience, obviously, for our family. Uh, my dad was only 60 years old, uh, and he was a very young 60. You know, we thought that if anyone in my family had a shot at 100, it was going to be my dad. <laughs> so from our perspective, this came just completely out of the blue. And it crushed us to the point that, I mean, it led me into what I would call a full-on spiritual existential crisis. Uh, because, you know, before I became an actor and, and bartender and whatnot, I had initially planned on being a high school science teacher. Um, and that's what I went to college for initially. I mean, science has always been something I've loved and has always been to this day a part of my life. Um, and, you know, the mainstream materialist scientific paradigm tells us that uh, what we think of as us, what I thought of as my dad is just an illusion created by chemical processes going on in the brain. And when the brain stops getting oxygen, those processes stop. And that thing, that entity that I thought of as my dad, uh, those atoms that looked and sounded like my dad, uh, that was just an illusion. And he was now gone forever. Mm-hmm. Right. That's what mainstream science says. Right. And though I, I've never believed that entirely, as much as I've always loved science, I've always felt uh, I've had a sense that we're much more than our bodies. But when I lost my dad, that vague sense that I had that we were more than our bodies was no longer enough. And I was just being <laughs> absolutely yeah. crushed by the weight of the science. And so what was the first thing to happen that started to change your mind? Well, the very first thing, uh, there were there were things that began to happen right away. But the song "Believe" that you just played uh, was a big one. Uh, we, my my dad, was a very disorganized man. He had piles and piles of of notebooks that he kept in his little home office on his desk. And my sister and I were going through them. So this is maybe the day after he died, uh, and we find a little piece, a scrap piece of paper that says "Believe." Tell Jen on it. Jen is my sister's name. And we had no idea, you know, what that could mean. Uh, Further on down in the pile, maybe an hour later, we found a second scrap of paper that said, Believe, a country song. And we realized that this must be a song that my dad had intended to share with my sister, but had never gotten around to doing. He had forgotten about it. Um, And this was not unusual. My dad used music all the time while he walked this earth to communicate with us. That was one of the ways that he shared his love. I have this distinct memory of when we were kids, he put us in the car and we went for a ride and he put on the Carol King song, uh, Child of Mine. And he said, listen to these words. This is how I feel about you. And so he always used music in that way. Right. So um, the next day we're or, or two days later, maybe we're getting ready for the wake. And my mom had decided that she wanted to have music playing uh, in the background. So we were putting a playlist together on iTunes. And I said, oh, you know, look for that song. Believe in country music. As it turns out, it's a Brooks and Dunn song, the one that you just played. Yeah. And it is about a guy who he'd lost his wife and his child. And of course, he grieved that. But he was able to get through the rest of his life because he had zero doubt that life goes on beyond death. Uh, And it ends with the words, you can't tell me that it all ends in a slow ride in a hearse. So we were sitting on the couch just weeping. Like, what were the chances? And this song, by the way, had been popular years before. This was not like a song that was currently being played on the radio. None of us had ever heard it before. So if my dad had remembered to tell my sister way back when, you know, we would have thought, oh, that's a nice song, but Mm -hmm. it would not have had nearly the impact it had. So that was 
was pretty cool. And that would have been a great uh, uh, sign if that had been it. But it wasn't it because uh, the day after the funeral, uh, for the first time I was alone, I was back in my car uh, driving from Connecticut to New York to head back to work. And you know how when someone passes and you're suddenly in the whirlwind of making plans and, and handling all of the logistics um, and you're still sort of in shock, you might not be dealing yet quite right. with the actual loss. <laughs> when I found myself alone in the car, I I was suddenly um, broken when I reached for my phone uh, and realized I couldn't call my dad. That I that if I dialed his number, he was not going to pick up and would not ever pick that phone up again. And I I began sobbing. I mean, just mm -hmm. absolutely sobbing. I'm I'm on the highway on uh, 95, this crazy highway in Connecticut, and I'm ready, getting ready to like pull over because you know I'm, I I just can't see and. Now, I always had my uh, my phone and my ever since the advent of iPods, I always had my own music on in the car. I would plug my phone in or my iPod in as soon as I got in and put my own playlist on. On this day, I simply didn't have the energy, so I didn't plug my phone in and my radio happened then to be on in the background. Now, I did not touch the radio. I never tuned the radio. I didn't turn it on. It just happened to be on because I didn't plug my phone in. And I had it, it had not entered my consciousness for the entire ride. And then as I'm sobbing, I suddenly hear these words. And I go to turn the radio up and I'm actually afraid to turn it up because if I hear what I think I'm hearing, like yeah. I'm going to lose, I'm going to lose control of this car is how it felt, you know, yeah. but I, I turn it up and it is believe it's mm. you can't tell me it all ends in a it's that song and i called my sister and i'm screaming you know listen to this listen to this <laughs> and, and my tears instantly turned from tears of sorrow into tears of just absolute joy and you no scientist in the world could have told me at that moment that that was not my father right. somehow orchestrating events wow wow and so now that you were receiving all of these signs where did you go from there well, the next main thing that happened, there were a lot of things that happened that, that and I detail them all in the book. Um, but the big thing that happened that totally ended up changing the direction of my life is mediumship. Now, I had been aware of mediumship from like John Edward crossing over, mm -hmm. which was on television when I was in high school. And then, you know, of course, the Long Island medium, you know, I was aware of these popular notions of mediumship. Um, and I thought it was interesting, but because they were television shows, I, I didn't put much stock into them. You know, I had no idea how much of it might have been produced, you know, how much was actually communication um, that these people were doing. A big part of me, uh, the scientific part of me was thinking, well, surely if that was real. <laughs> I mean, surely, if there are people on this planet with the ability to talk to dead people, one of my biology professors would have taught us about it right <laughs> after teaching us about cell division, right? Surely they would have said, oh, and by the way, there is good evidence that some people can communicate with dead people. And because I'd never been taught that, uh, you know, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, well, there can't be a whole lot to this. Um, now, in, in most cases, mediumship is something that that is sought out by a person, right? They're, right. they're grieving and they seek uh, the medium out. In our case, mediumship just kind of careened into our lives in the most <laughs> wonderful way. Um, the, to make a longer story short, and again, it's all described in detail in the book, but a woman who is a medium, not a, not a professional medium, she said, but um, she'd always been sensitive, she says, to, uh, to spirit. A uh, complete stranger who had never met my family or my dad. We'd ne she has had no connection to my family at all before this. Uh, she got in touch with us because according to her, my father uh, was tapping her on the shoulder, desperate to get a message to his family that he had survived death and he was okay. Um, so th this woman, th according to her, he was so insistent about this that she went she and my uh, what ended up being my uh, second cousin through marriage uh, <laughs> went out of their comfort zone to make a phone call to my mother and deliver this message. And that is where uh, things really started to get interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and so can I ask you prior to that, when you were getting all of these signs, had you tried communicating with your father on your own? 
it started happening so fast that I didn't really have time to even, you know, he he died and then we're making the services and and there's, you know, all of the the craziness going on. And and then, you know, we found that song Believe like right away. And then something started to happen with butterflies that were ridiculous were just ridiculous. The chances of it being coincidence were uh, impossible for me to 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 suggest that they were. It was simply coincidence. So, it, I mean, it started almost right away. There was almost no time for me to even ask for this stuff. It was like my dad saw the state that his family was left in at his passing. You know, he yeah. saw the disaster left in his wake of, of his loss. And he was like, well, I cannot leave this situation in this way. <laughs> and before he went on to whatever it is he's doing now, he turned back and said, uh, you know, I've got to I've got to address this mm-hmm. and sought the, out the opportunity. So were yeah. there a lot of other family members that were in the same camp as you as far as their belief about death? My family all are, I would say, um, open to the idea of life after death and and have have believed it um, and believe is the word it's not something that we had any real evidence for prior to this um, and we're, we were not a religious family you know we, we went to church like maybe on Christmas and Easter and I like as I say in the book my mom had us baptized sort of just in case that yeah. is the only way you get into heaven you know she was just <laughs> kind of covering her bases there sure. um, yeah, so uh, our thoughts about life after death were, um, it was not a, a topic that we often discussed. And my dad and I, I don't think we had ever um, discussed it. Okay. And so can I ask you, who was your book intended for? The book is really intended for people who might be on the skeptical side of the spectrum. Um, who Because I ended up, become being stunned by the amount of evidence that is out there the amount of real science that has been done you quoted some of it in your opening um and i felt like when these things started to happen to me it changed my life so much um it lightened my load so much that it honestly felt unfair to not share this information with people it felt so important that that something so profound if this is real if there is actual evidence for this that our loved ones do not simply disappear into the ether um i just felt like it was not fair of me fair of me to keep this story to myself and so that that's who the book is intended for it's people who might be sort of on the fence about this stuff people who like me require a lot of evidence because it took a lot you know as you see mediums who read the book have told me that they wanted to like you know grab me by my my neck and shake me uh because i'm i i'm so thorough in in um what it took you know i imagine my my poor father at this point just sweating on the other <laughs> side uh, after all of the work that I put him through to convince me. So uh, that that's who the book is for, people who are going to um, require evidence before they, uh, before they believe such a, a large claim. Okay, wonderful. So how did the Netflix series Surviving Death come about? Yeah, I well, so things that were happening were so extraordinary that I started to make a documentary. Um, after after we got this message from this medium, this unsolicited message from um, this non-professional medium, my sister just happened to hear on the radio here in Connecticut one morning uh, a professional evidential medium doing a, a segment where callers were, were, were calling in and she was doing readings live on air. Uh, and the timing of that seemed extraordinary to my sister. This is the morning after. I'd had this phone call with this medium uh, who had contacted our family. So my sister uh, hired that woman and she gave my family a reading that was utterly bewilderingly accurate um and i called that woman about a year later and asked her if she would be the subject of a documentary where i would test her by bringing people that i knew were complete strangers to her while the camera was rolling Mm -hmm. and see if she could do what she did for us when i knew there was no way she could be cheating I, i knew there was no way that she could have been googling anything about them or hiring detectives to follow them often i was the only person on set who knew 
who was walking in that day and it could have been anyone in the world and i watched her do this time and time again um now one of the people involved in my documentary it's a woman named leslie kane uh she's an investigative journalist she writes for the new york times she's she's this highly credentialed um woman who is who is now a good friend of mine and her integrity is just beyond reproach you know she's just a remarkably wonderful woman um and she wrote a book called surviving death she spent 10 years studying the evidence that's out there mm -hmm. um and she was taking part in my documentary while that was going on netflix decided to make a six-part series based on her book uh surviving death and she told my story to netflix and that's how uh my involvement happened yeah it was all meant to be <laughs> no doubt oh my god when i look at all of this now the dominoes that had to fall over like right? as i said my dad was just working overtime yes all starting with the song <laughs> all starting with that song yes, well ma with that we're gonna take a quick break but everyone stay tuned for the weekly skinny up next on this weekly skinny in honor of rosacea awareness month i felt it appropriate to talk about rosacea especially since continuous mask wearing and the stress from this pandemic have left many with increased rosacea flares. Rosacea affects an estimated 16 million Americans, and its cause still remains unknown, although many contributing factors have been revealed, like a suppressed immune system, as well as a marked increase in mast cells located at the interface between the nervous system and vascular system. In addition, an infestation of skin mites and a chronic deficiency of vitamin A in the skin are also culprits when it comes to rosacea. This chronic skin condition is characterized by flushing or redness on the cheeks, nose, and chin, visible blood vessels, inflammatory bumps or pimples, as well as in more severe cases and particularly in men, a swollen and bumpy nose, also called potato nose, from the growth of excess tissue. Rosacea tends to develop any time after age 30 and can affect all skin types, but is mostly present in fair skin. According to a survey conducted by the NRS, or National Rosacea Society, nearly 90% of all rosacea patients said having rosacea lowered their self-confidence and self-esteem. 41% reported it had caused them to avoid public contact or social engagements, 88% said it adversely affected their professional interactions, and nearly 51% said they even missed work because of it. The good news is rosacea is treatable. Let's debunk a few myths about rosacea through the National Rosacea Society before I share how to treat it. Rosacea myth number one, rosacea is a form of adult acne. Although the bumps and pimples of rosacea which increase during a flare can look like acne, the conditions are completely unrelated. Rosacea myth number two, caffeine and coffee trigger rosacea flare-ups. Actually, caffeine has been linked to a decreased rosacea risk, and any hot beverage, not just coffee, can trigger rosacea symptoms. It would be best to avoid anything that may bring more blood flow to the skin, like alcohol, aspirin, spicy foods, hot tubs, saunas, extreme sun, steam rooms, windburn, and even the cold when dealing with rosacea. Aside from avoiding extremities and temperature, routine facials, especially those with a light layer of TCA, can help to cut down on the bacteria and mites, which contribute to the inflammation. A proper skincare routine can help with rosacea as well. Not to mention laser light therapy for broken vessels and also a clean and healthy anti-inflammatory diet. If you are struggling with rosacea, I highly recommend trying the lowest dose of topical vitamin A or retinol palmitate like the AVST-1 moisturizer from plastic surgeon Dr. Des Fernandez's product line Environ and getting in for a facial with TCA. Both available at Sakura Skin and Mind. Peach Fuzz is great. If it's on a peach, let Sakura Skin and Mind remove unsightly hair with dermaplaning. Although its primary purpose is to remove layers of dead skin, it's just one of the added benefits leaving your skin baby smooth, safe, effective, fast and affordable. What a concept! Sakura Skin and Mind wants you to look your very best, and dermaplaning is just one tool in their chest. Find out about dermaplaning at sakuraskinandmind.com. S-A-K-U-R-A, skinandmind.com. We bring out the healthy skin and healthy way of thinking you didn't know you had. <laughs> 
Family owned since 1986, Stargazers, a unique metaphysical bookshop, offers a large selection of precious gems, jewelry, candles, sage, shamanic drums and rattles, oracle cards, incense, and more. Plus, you can find a variety of healing goodness from some of the best healers under one roof, such as tarot and oracle card readings, spiritual response therapy, data healing, and energy work. Located in Bellevue at 12727 Northrop Way, Suite 10, Stargazers provides a foundation for healing, ample wisdom, and resources for starting or continuing your spiritual journey. Stargazers, making sense of the stars and everything esoteric. For more information and store hours, go to stargazersbooks.com. That's S-T-A-R-G-A-Z-E-R-S books.com or call 425-885-7289. That's 425-885-7289. Welcome back to Love from the Hip. I'm spiritual hypnotherapist, master esthetician, and your host, Sakura Sutter. Today on Love from the Hip, I have the great pleasure of having author Mike Anthony on my show. You may have also seen Mike recently on the Netflix series, Surviving Death. So before the break, we were talking about surviving death. So what was the purpose behind making this film? Um, the series is it's six parts and each um, episode covers a different line of evidence suggestive of uh, survival of consciousness beyond the uh, death of the physical body. So it covers near death experiences, for instance, in an episode. It covers mediumship, uh, physical mediumship, end of life experiences, which is where um, people will often, uh, for instance, might maybe see dead loved ones around their their hospital bed. You know, if you talk to any almost any hospice nurse, for instance, chances are they have a story uh, along those lines. Um, And then uh, an episode about children who have memories of previous lives, which Mm. is astounding, by the way, that line of evidence is just extraordinary. And, um, you know, it sort of covers these in a mainstream way. And the the hope, uh, the producer's hope uh, was to get get this the word out there um, more into more of a mainstream audience uh, because unfortunately um, it's, it's difficult to, to break through some of the, some of the academic walls that we have, some of the uh, gatekeepers, I guess you you might say. um, The stigmas. um, (laughs) The stigmas. There are so many stigmas about this stuff. And if you're a scientist who who really wants to investigate mediumship, for instance, and you work at a major university, uh, you're taking a huge academic risk. Uh, and chances are the university is just not going to allow it. Uh, mm-hmm. That's the fact of the matter right now. So um, yeah, it's, it's, it's about trying to begin the process of breaking down some of those stigmas so that the word paranormal <laughs> is yeah. not a, a dirty word, which, which right <laughs> now it sort of is in academic circles. Right. Absolutely. So, and it's really well done. So I, I enjoyed it. Why, yeah, they, yeah. Yeah. why do you think, um, so you talked a little bit about mediumship getting a bad rap. So I want to ask you, what did mediumship teach you? Well, I mean, for, for me, it, it ended up uh, teaching me that without a doubt, um, science has a lot left to uncover. Um, you know, I ended up having experiences that absolutely proved to me that no matter how many degrees a scientist might have, no matter how many Nobel prizes might be sitting on their shelf, um, if they tell you there is no such thing as anything paranormal, they are wrong about that. No matter how smart they are, they're absolutely wrong about that. Yeah. And there's just no question about it. Um, so for me, mediumship was that door uh, that that led to that realization. And that's a powerful realization to have. Yeah. Uh, because once you have it, it just opens up so many. It just opens up your life uh, in a lot of uh, beautiful ways. Uh, and, and and for me, what it has taught me is that communication is possible and that <laughs> my 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 I did not lose my relationship with my dad. It just transitioned form. Um, you know, it's it's a different form now, but the yeah. relationship is still just as alive as ever. So as a medium myself, I can explain how it works, but as someone who's receiving and has witnessed the benefits of receiving mediumship readings, how would you explain how it works? 
Well, from the, with the mediums that I work with mostly, um, they go into a sort of a, a daydream state. So they're conscious, but but they're they're um, it's certainly an altered state of consciousness. And we know that that's true. And again, you touched on some of this in your open, where you, when you were talking about the photon emission tomography mm-hmm. and the blood flow in the brain. Um, and you know, we've done uh, a lot of uh, EEG. You know, we'll hook a, a medium's brain up to an electroencephalograph, and we know that their brainwave pattern changes you know we walk around and typically in a uh with a, a, beta, a beta brainwave centric sort of a brainwave pattern um and mediumship uh it often can can alter that into more of an alpha wave pattern which um is is it, it's just it's what it means is it's definitely um a state of consciousness that is something separate from the typical day-to-day state of consciousness so from a scientific point of view we can at least say that that there is um some empirical science some empirical evidence to back up mediums when they tell us that something is happening, something genuine is happening. Um, and, um, and then once they're in this, this state, um, they receive information in, in various ways. And uh, the, the one, uh, Angelina Diana is the medium that I've primarily worked with. Uh, she receives information clairvoyantly. So she sees images, she has clear audience, so she can hear sounds as well. Um, and she also gets feelings and she tastes things too. Mm -hmm. Um, And the thing to know about mediumship, if you're not someone who's ever had a sitting with a medium before um, that is doing mental mediumship, which is the form of mediumship we're talking about right now and not trance mediumship, right? So this is mental mediumship Mm -hmm. where the medium is still conscious, uh, is that, you know, it's not like for Angelina, it's not as though my dad is standing beside her talking in full sentences and she's just relaying those full sentences to me. If that were the case, we would have been able to prove this in scientific labs long ago (laughs) that mediumship is a real genuine phenomenon. Um, It's an interpretation. It's an art form. You know, she is getting symbols and images um, that, and she's trying to interpret what it is that uh, is being said. And for her, the clear audience, you know, when she does hear sounds, Mm -hmm. it can sound to her as though someone's talking, uh, maybe like you might hear someone talking underwater, for instance. Mm -hmm. So she'll get maybe the beginning sounds of words. um, But it's, um, it's not like she's simply uh, relaying full full messages, so there is an art to it. I, yeah, um, I like how you put that. It's it's an art form. <laughs> absolutely, so, an art form. Yeah, yeah. So let's talk about physical mediumship. What was your experience mm-hmm. with that? Well, this Sakura is what totally <laughs> blew my world wide open. Uh-huh. Um, so physical mediumship, I had only been in very vaguely aware of. I remember when I was in high school, I was in a club called the Phenomenology Club, uh, which meant that I was very popular. Obviously. <laughs> uh, and we would meet on Wednesdays and we would talk about all of the unexplained stuff like the Loch Ness Monster and mm-hmm. Bigfoot and UFOs, you know, all of that stuff. And one day my teacher brought in a book that I now know uh, was an old book that had photos of physical mediums producing what they called ectoplasm. Now, ectoplasm <laughs> of course, was a word that I was absolutely 100% sure was coined by Harold Ramis when he wrote <laughs> Ghostbusters, right. and that it was the stuff that Slimer left, you know, the gooey substance on the shelves at the at the uh, New York Public Library. Um, but the and these photos, <clears throat> in it, it looks like it's cotton coming out of people's mouths and ears. Uh, and they look completely fake, right? When you look at these pictures, it's really hard to not look at them and think, well, obviously, that is uh, fake. And that was my first thought when I saw those photos as well. Um, but then when I read Leslie's book, uh, who again is a journalist that I trust implicitly, and that was before I knew her. Now I know her as a human being. And I, I'm telling you, she is a woman of the utmost integrity. Uh, her book, most of what I had read in that book was stuff I was already familiar with, these things that we've already talked about, children who have memories of previous lives, uh, mental mediumship, near-death experiences. And then at the end of her book, she talks about physical mediumship and ectoplasm. And I was shocked to find it in a book of this caliber. And according to Leslie, these pictures that my science teacher brought in to the phenomenology club way back when were real. 
that this stuff that looked like cotton coming out of people's mouths was an actual substance. The word ectoplasm was not coined by Harold Ramis. In fact, it was coined by a guy who won the Nobel Prize in physiology. Okay, he didn't win the Nobel Prize in, you know, in mathematics. He won it in the study of the human body, a guy named Charles Riche, who mm. actually studied some of this stuff in a lab. He was able to take a piece of it and study it in a lab. And um, what it is, uh, what according to the spirit world, is a substance that every human body has to a greater or lesser degree. People who practice physical mediumship have it in abundance, uh, according to the spirit world. <clears throat> and when these people who have this go into a deep trance, so this is different than mental mediumship because now the state of consciousness is so removed from the normal state of consciousness that they're in the trance that you were talking about earlier when right. channeling might happen, for instance, right? Mm -hmm. In And in this case, the medium doesn't even know what's going on, according to the medium. Uh, they claim that they are completely, they're completely out of it and the spirit world takes over and uses their apparatus, their vocal cords, their body uh, to produce physical phenomena there in the room. Physical meaning that it's objective. It's, there's no, it's unequivocal. It either happens or it doesn't. So there's no uh, translation here that's necessary. Mm -hmm. uh, you either see and hear this stuff and everyone in the room does or, or you don't. Um, and we just once again to go to touch science just for a bit here again uh we do know Stuart alexander who is the physical medium that leslie kane writes about in her book um uh we he has been hooked up to an eeg machine and we do know that his brainwave pattern drastically changes when he goes into what he says is a deep trance so there's good reason to believe good scientific reason to believe that something genuine is happening when Stuart goes into these trances um and then leslie in her book describes how she witnessed this stuff, this ectoplasm come out of the sky. Uh, and then these crazy things happened right in front of her eyes in the room. And I couldn't believe it. It was astounding, right? Mm -hmm. I had just stumbled upon her book at Barnes and Noble, by the way. I had no <laughs> idea she had written. I, had, I was on my way to the bathroom and it was happened to be on a bookshelf facing out. And I bought it and read it cover to cover. I go home the day, that day after I've just read this book and I had just read that last chapter. And I'm thinking, my God, what I would have done to be in that room with Leslie and to have experienced what she writes about in this book. But Stuart is an incredibly um, private man. And I knew there was no way I would ever get to witness this myself in person. But I was happy to have that book because I trusted her word so much that at least I had that. So yeah. I get home, I, I put the book on my nightstand and I go to my computer. Earlier that day, I had posted a teaser video about my documentary. And when I turn on my computer, a friend of mine who had seen that video messaged me to say, hey, I, I want to put you in touch with Leslie Kane. <laughs> and I was like, you have got to be kidding. This still gives me chills when I think about this. Right. I mean, I literally had just put the book down on my nightstand. And I wrote back to him immediately saying, I, I, this is insane. I just read this book. How do you know Leslie? I had no idea he knew Leslie. Mm -hmm. He put us in touch. A week later, we were having coffee in New York. We hit it off and became great friends. And less than a year after finding that book, Sakura, less than a year, I was sitting in that little room in England watching what Leslie described happen in front of my own eyes. <laughs> and there, there's no going back from something like that. That's uh, it's amazing. An yeah. Amazing. Yeah. And again, synchronistic. Completely. <laughs> All meant to be. Absolutely. Wonderful. No well, with that, we're going to take another break. But everyone stick around for more Love from the Hip. The passing of our loved ones always proves to be very challenging but can be met with ease when working with someone who can hold space, compassion, and especially someone who works across the veil. Allow Sakura Sutter, multidimensional channeler and intuitive medium, to be your spiritual guide with the other side. No matter if you choose to communicate with your transitioned loved ones to help you with the grieving process, or connect with spiritual, galactic, and other light beings to explore and dive in more on your spiritual path, Sakura can assist you. Not only does Sakura channel insightful messages, but she also incorporates her metaphysical tools to help you move through blocks and unprocessed emotions and feelings, providing you with a closure, relief, and new mindset to move forward. So don't hesitate to take your first step towards healing so you can start living your life once again. Remote sessions available. 
contact Sakura at sakurasutter.com. That's S-A-K-U-R-A-S-U-T-T-E-R dot com. Your skin is your body's largest organ. Care for it properly, starting with your face. Sakura Skin and Mind offers several clinical facial treatments to help stimulate collagen production, eliminate toxins, boost circulation, and deeply cleanse. See a new you in your mirror. Clinical facials range from $90 and up. Do your face a favor. Sakura Skin and Mind, erasing wrinkles, one clinical facial at a time. Learn more, sakuraskinandmind.com. S-A-K-U-R-A, skinandmind.com. Family-owned since 1986, Stargazers, a unique metaphysical bookshop, offers a large selection of precious gems, jewelry, candles, sage, shamanic drums and rattles, oracle cards, incense, and more. Plus, you can find a variety of healing goodness from some of the best healers under one roof, such as tarot and oracle card readings, spiritual response therapy, data healing, and energy work. Located in Bellevue at 12727 Northrop Way, Suite 10, Stargazers provides a foundation for healing, ample wisdom, and resources for starting or continuing your spiritual journey. Stargazers, making sense of the stars and everything esoteric. For more information and store hours, go to stargazersbooks.com. That's S-T-A-R-G-A-Z-E-R-S-Books.com or call 425-885-7289. That's 425-885-7289. Welcome back to Love from the Hip. I'm spiritual hypnotherapist, master esthetician, and your host, Sakura Sutter. If you are just joining us, today I have the great pleasure of having author Mike Anthony on my show. You may have also seen Mike recently on the Netflix series, Surviving Death. So Mike, I want to ask you, how did mediumship help you with your grief? Well, for me, it was like night and day. And um, I'll preface this by saying that I realize um, grief, uh, grieving is an uh, absolutely individual process and it's not going to be the same for anyone. Um, But for me and for my family, mediumship was like a ladder thrown into a deep dark hole that we were in that pulled us out. Um, When you are working with a gifted medium uh, that is truly doing this um, and and, and it becomes clear to you um, that your loved ones, some part of them, certainly their love did not simply disappear into the ether never to be heard from again uh when you really start to understand uh that they survive that they remain um and that they continue to pay attention to our lives uh it 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 just it's like someone turned the lights back on you know it's like for a minute before my dad passed i was living in one movie sort of a maybe like a romantic comedy happy go lucky movie that was my life you know working on broadway everything's great then my dad died and suddenly i'm like in this horror film you know <laughs> um and then my first experience with mediumship happened and i was again in this sunny film again uh where hope was restored. Um, hope and the absolute belief uh, that I'm going to see my dad again. So mediumship, in my opinion, can be an incredibly valuable, powerful tool in the grieving process. Um, you know, I write a little bit in the book about the Windbridge Research Center, which uh, is headed up by a fantastic scientist named Dr. Julie Beischel. Uh, and Dr. Beischel is doing wonderful research into mediumship um, now. One of the things that they are looking for, so they have concluded, you know, they do quintuple blind studies there. So yeah. I won't get into that. I'll just, <laughs> just, just say that it means that they have ruled out um, fraud, you know, mm-hmm. so they have concluded that mediumship is absolutely absolutely a genuine phenomenon uh, and that some people do have this ability. Uh, So they are beyond the question of whether or not this is genuine. So they're now looking at um, using mediumship as in, in therapy. Uh, in grief therapy and try and doing uh, working on coming up with protocols where they can do studies uh, about the you know to sort of try to measure uh, the effectiveness in uh, therapeutic settings or mm-hmm. um, you know because in traditional talk therapy uh, the point might be to accept the loss and move on with your own life um, but if you accept that you're 
dad or whoever is still truly there, then simply accepting the loss and moving on doesn't make entirely complete sense. Right. (laughs) Uh, Because if they are truly still there, then that might mean you can maintain a relationship with them. Of course, it's going to be a look different. Um, It's not going to be the same thing as having them standing there in your kitchen when you can throw your arms around them. Obviously, unfortunately, it's not that, but there is a relationship to be had still. So um, in my opinion, uh, mediumship with a with a good gifted medium um, can be a real asset to someone who is grieving. Yeah, I love that. And also, I love that you're expressing it just changes the relationship. It's still there. Yeah, that's how. I mean, now I, 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 I honestly, truly, I'll be driving down the, the, down, you know, down the road, and I'll be surprised when I reach over and I don't feel my dad's shoulder there. Like that's mm. how strongly I sense um, him with me. Yeah, that's great. And so, any plans of becoming a professional medium yourself? No, <laughs> I, you know, I, I don't have any of this ability, uh, as far as I know right now. Now, most of the mediums that I work with uh, say that mediumship is a, an ability that can be learned and honed. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, m- most of the gifted mediums that I work with, uh, this is something that they've been able to do since they were young. You know, a lot of them were seeing uh, grandma at the foot of their bed, for instance, their deceased grandma at the foot of their bed when they were five years old. Um, And, and, you know, so it's sort of something that is innately uh, has always been a part of their experience. Uh, But they all they do say that this is something that can be honed. Now, my brain is very busy uh, and I have trouble getting it quiet enough, I think, (laughs) to let the spirit world in. Uh, So I've got that obstacle to over overcome. Well, you're very well versed in it, though. So, (laughs) you know, (laughs) the saying. (laughs) So can I ask you what you hope for the future of mediumship? Yeah, I just hope that it gets the attention that it deserves uh, and that we start to shine a light into some of these corners that are right now shrouded in darkness because in those dark corners the the whole universe is is changing right i mean things Mm -hmm. that upend things that totally uh shatter our current scientific paradigms are happening right now in a small room in england every monday night the veil between this world and some other world dissolves every monday night this is happening uh and the laws of physics are shown to be incomplete in that room so i just hope that it gets the um recognition that it deserves and it stops being uh something that's frowned upon in academic circles and that uh, that respected scientists can be okay uh to indulge their curiosity which is what science is supposed to be all about and say you know what i want to study this yeah (laughs) beautifully put well how can my listeners learn more about you and your books uh, everything is at MikeAnthony.com. Uh, the two books, Life at Hamilton, uh, which is about my experiences bartending there and Love Dad. And then there are also some video clips there uh, about the documentary. Uh, so if you want to see some of what we were doing with our mediumship uh, documentary, you can watch that as well. Outstanding. Well, thanks again for being here today, Mike. Uh, it's been such a pleasure. I really thank you for having me. Yes. And if you guys haven't seen the Netflix series, Uh, surviving death or read his book please get on that (laughs) thanks so much again thank you you're welcome and thank you to eric my talented producer kknw and kbkw the talk of grace harbor and you the listener you can find me at sakurasutter.com really love the show don't be shy drop me a line at sakura at lovefromthehip.com tune in next week for another go beyond the veil with my co-host rory reich and stay kind out there stay true to you and don't forget Make self-love contagious. Go ahead, I dare ya. A health crisis is one of the most challenging situations we will experience in our lifetime. It leaves us frightened, confused, and asking, why did this happen to me? Transformational coach Rory Reich experienced his healing crisis when the life he had so carefully constructed came crumbling down around him. The universe had offered him a challenge. He chose to accept it and to rediscover who he was before it was too late. In his book, Transform Yourself Through Disease, Rory shares his personal journey alongside eight practical steps to help those who are stuck realize their self-impairing beliefs and discover ways of transforming them so they can reclaim their health and create the life of their dreams. Don't let your health crisis define you. Take the next step and transform yourself today. 
for a free life coaching consultation, contact Rory at roryreich.com. That's R-O-R-Y-R-E-I-C-H dot com.